uh, just crush me for a day. Hey, everybody. Crushed him for a day. Are we on the... Yeah, we are in backup. We are. Yes, we've been recording that for 10 whole minutes. 10 <laughs> minutes of gold on the backup if we have to go do it. Not so, right. hey. Hey. Uh, we're doing this on Sunday because Saturday I was... Uh, yeah, I was sick. I was sick on Friday and Saturday um, with this thing that Jeff and I both had. Uh, and I, it, it came back and recurred for me. But uh, I guess my body came... Destroyed it in like a... Found day. the antibody yeah. right away. Yeah. But uh, that was a it was a bad day. Yeah, the um, took me forever forever for my cough to go away. I still have a little bit of that because I'm, I'm taking some mucinex for that. But okay, that'll um, it's more just I feel the mucus in my throat than mm-hmm. it is right. a, a steady cough. It, boy, that Saturday, I was coughing the whole day. Yeah, right. It was rough. Okie dokies. Yeah, but hey, I'm here. It it. it all went away. And it's I'm, here for the beer. I'm good. Uh, good to go. How was your weekend? You had a rare Saturday without me. Yeah, it was good. Um, Ellie had a soccer game in the afternoon. She won that game, so it was fun. And then I took Max up to. So every thing, every November, the Boy Scout troop I was in with us kid has their Thanksgiving feast, and it was yesterday. So we went up. First time I've been there in probably nine years or so, eight years. So it's been a while. It's been, been a while. while. And uh, went back, and there was a few people that I knew, and it was, it was fun. You know, reliving part of my childhood there. So, And Max was interested in going, and he had a heck of a time. He showed you a video where he was uh, throwing some throwing axes. Yeah. Five-year-old throwing throwing axes. I sent Heather a picture. She's like, what are you doing? I can't imagine anything more fun for a five-year-old, actually. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throwing axes, cool. I get to, oh, I get to throw them. You You're gonna let me throw yeah. axes, Dad? Yeah. Hell yeah, kid, go for it. <laughs> so cut your leg off. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it didn't seem to me to be all that dangerous as long as he was careful with how he was using. Yeah, it. I mean, before he, you know, when I was think, toying with the idea of letting him do it, I was worried. That he would not let go and swing it down and hit himself in the leg, right? But I'm like, then I realized, you know, he's good at throwing balls and things. Mm-hmm. He's not going to miss throw an axe so badly that it swings down and hits him in the leg. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, once I realized that was like a well less than 1% chance, you know, I was like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, just get used to the balance for a second and then, yeah, yeah. throw it I mean, I made, him, I made him take his gloves off so it wouldn't slip out of his hand because, you know, he just had like... Uh, knit gloves, you know, yeah. like cotton fabric. Mm-hmm. So that would have been no good for grip. But other than that, and you saw he was, he didn't stick any of the axes, but mm-hmm. he was hitting the, yeah. the target. Not only, you know, not only did he enjoy it, but he wanted <clears> to show it off to people. So yeah, yeah. clearly he had a good time. Let me ask you this question about Eagle Scouts. Yeah. Uh, whenever some, how can I put it this way? Whenever some overprivileged white criminal is around. I'm thinking sp- particularly of Ross Ulbrich, the DPR, you know, the okay. guy who ran Silk uh-huh. Road. But uh, but some other guys, I know that there, it, it's happened to other people before. They always end up being Eagle Scouts. Uh, there, there's something with Eagle Scouts and a, and a sort of heart, weird libertarian uh, <laughs> attitude. Definitely sort of a conjoining of those things. They're not just uh, Boy Scouts, it's Eagle Scouts particularly. Like they went all the way. Uh, 
you hear a lot, especially when you're in scouts, you know, Neil Armstrong was an Eagle Scout, and mm-hmm. all these senators are Eagle Scouts, and presidents were Eagle Scouts. It's... So a low percentage of Boy Scouts make Eagle Scout. I want to say it's under 10%. Mm-hmm. It might be closer to 5%. But that's because there's so many kids that drop out of Boy Scouts in like the first two or three years. Yeah, why would... Uh, if you're not right. enjoying it, why would you... If, if you make it three or four years in, the percentage of Scouts that make Eagle Scout, in some troops, like in our troop, is probably closer to 50%. Mm-hmm. You know, once you... If you don't wash out... Because it isn't for you in the first couple of years, and you make it, you know, three or four ranks in. If you make it to first class, it's you're probably fifty percent or better to make it. You're going to make eagle before you turn eighteen. Mm-hmm. That that's the hard part is you start doing after you get the first class rank. It's scout, tenderfoot, second class, first class. When you after you get the first class rank to advance the next three ranks, star, life, and eagle, you have to start doing more merit badges and do projects and the way our troop was organized the way most troops organized is the child themselves has to be motivated to call up strangers on the phone Mm -hmm. to organize meetings with merit badge counselors to get merit badges and it's like the most terrifying thing ever and you're also a slacker teenager who's not gonna be very motivated to do things so that's the hardest part Mm. it's not a lot of work if the kid is motivated to do the work well, I could definitely say that DPR is a motivated individual. <laughs> Ross Ulbricht. I don't have any real uh, statement on the whole uh, criminals or libertarians being Eagle Scouts. I, think I don't it's... know whether criminals are, but definitely libertarians. I mean, uh, there there are some libertarians who go overboard, like Ross Ulbricht did, and, and they get caught. I mean, maybe uh, it's maybe it's a um, you know for a libertarian, it, it's a nice badge, right? Because you know. I don't need anyone's help. Look what I did on my own or something, mm-hmm. you know? Cause I mean, it, you don't do it as a team. It's, it's a pretty, you still need your troop and everything, but you know, it's, it's a more solitary thing. Right. So maybe that's part of the angle. I'm not sure. Hmm. That, that makes sense. That does make sense in terms of sort of the, the thought process. So cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's discuss the Internet of Things. Ah, yes. Internet of Things. So you just came back from the SQL conference, and I think they kind of burned you out or spoiled you or something on IoT, right? Because Um, you were bitching about IoT at this conference being like a buzzword that everyone was using. There was a conference. The second day's (coughs) keynote was... um, pretty lame because it was just some it was just like some software people talking about how great their software is and one of the things they were talking about was how it's it's it can be used for the internet of things and and uh but it was just a database it was it was just a database i mean a fast mm-hmm. database sure but it's just a database and it's like uh you know you i trust you guys to know databases totally but to to understand the application of databases, I don't, you guys are are way overshooting in terms of what you. I mean, it, 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 it's it's like you know what it reminds me of, um, like World's Fair type shit. Where look at what we're going to be able to do in the future, and it's all this you know amazing you know blah 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 stuff that 
really has no mm-hmm. bearing on what is actually going to happen because what actually it happens uh, basically happens organically and, and occurs through what the society needs or what certain commercial pressures are putting on it. Okay. Uh, I I mean the concept of the Internet of Things. Maybe I'm not totally clear on it because to me it, it feels like overextending what the internet is doing to everything and it's like wait a minute you're talking about a network of various uh of, of various pieces of, of equipment you know basically having most of your equipment in your house networked i totally understand that taking making everything in your house accessible to the internet seems bad <laughs> giving everything an ip address seems like really poor security and, and a lot of different things well uh, it, it's and then, so i mean the way the most iot stuff works i'm not saying security is handled it is not handled yeah. but it's not it's not like old school you know put your webcam web server ip address out there you know i mean i have few iot like straight up iot things in my house i have two nest devices mm-hmm. i have nest thermostat and nest protect and you know i can check those manage those and get alerts you know because they're internet aware they don't expose themselves on my public ip address they phone home to nest and then my app on my phone phones home to nest and then nest you know makes the connection there i don't follow how that is necessarily internet of i mean unless it's just internet of things in 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 name only i mean because it doesn't feel like that's an internet connected device well, that's what Internet of Things is. Okay. It's um, smart devices and things that are typically not or not traditionally computers. Like, you know, a networked printer is probably never called an Internet of Things thing because it's already a computer thingy. Huh. But, I mean, a, a, a Google Cloud Print, I mean, that's – I would call that an IoT thing. Like, my mom's printer – She my, my parents both have Chromebooks now, so I had to get them a printer because mm-hmm. the one big weakness of Chromebooks is you can't print. To you can't a, do anything without having an, an Well, you can't print to a printer mm-hmm. unless it supports Google Cloud Print. You can't hook it up via USB. You can't print to it over common network printing mm-hmm. protocols. You can't do either of those. The printer has to phone into Google, and then you send your print jobs through Google Cloud Print, and then... Google Cloud Print queues them up. Your printer says, hey, I got any print jobs, and pulls them down and prints. I actually accidentally printed to my mom's house a couple weeks ago because I just picked the wrong printer when I was printing. <laughs> and something spat out of her printer, and I sent her a text. I'm like, ah, oh, that was me. I'm sorry. I <laughs> picked the wrong printer. So, I mean, but that's... While people aren't calling those kind of web-connected printers IoT... I feel it has the same kind of utility, right? Because uh, I agree it has the same kind of utility. I'm just I'm wondering how far does IoT go? I mean, how far does that scope go? It goes down to these um dash buttons from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Right? Cuz it's a simple device that interacts with the internet. In this case, but orders these don't Zipbox actually bags. interact with the internet. They interact with your cell phone. No, right? No. They're on the Wi-Fi. And they do an HTTPS get or post to Amazon. Oh, that's order. right. They are on Wi-Fi, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You need your phone to set them up. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's, that's what I was... Okay. But once they're set up, they talk to Amazon and just do one thing. They mm-hmm. send the command to Amazon saying, give me more Ziploc bags or give me more mac and cheese. And um, 
So, I mean, that's the simplest, an internet button, that's the simplest IoT thing, right? And then it's hooked up to do something, some utility. Now, I read some things, but this may be getting into some singularity bullshit stuff, but, like, there were people who were literally talking about, not at this conference, but I, I, I remember, unless I totally imagined, but I remember people talking about the idea that every crop you have would have would have an IP address, every every seed would have an IP address, every device you know would have uh, nanotech that would give an IP address, so you could you could track. I it. think they're going way deep in the the Kurzweil singularity, <laughs> yeah. like you said. Uh, things are going to have IP addresses. I mean, uh, but internal IP addresses are going to be on your Wi-Fi, and they're going to be phoning home to the company that mm-hmm. so you know um, I'm trying to think of other IOT examples that would be common um, so there's some robotic you know kegerators that people are putting out right and one of the things they do is it has an Arduino in it or something like that and it has a weight sensor that the keg sits on so it knows how many pints are left in the keg and they can send you an email saying the keg's almost empty mm-hmm. that's an internet of things device I mean it falls into the realm it you know, it, it's just things that have some kind of technology and can okay. talk to you through the internet or talk to a company that's providing a service to you through the internet, that kind of thing. So what we really need then is not necessarily... Smart mean, water meters, smart power meters, you know, all, all IoT. We really need some sort of, sort of intelligent agent, like a Siri, but much smarter, to collate these things and sort of understand when to give you information about it and when to just leave you alone and not bother you. Yeah, I think a big... That's... That's assuming that, like, these... All these IoT devices were using open Mm -hmm. standards, but, I mean, the way everything's going, the way a lot of new protocols and things are going are um, proprietary, closed standards. Like, you know, we just at work switch from our Jabber-based instant messenger service to Slack. Mm-hmm. And Slack is not an open standards protocol like Jabber or IRC or even ICQ or something like that, right? Or the protocol was open and you could make a client. Um, Slack is a web app that runs in Slack mm-hmm. and you can only use Slack apps to talk to it. Do you have an API for it? They do it well. They do have APIs. I, I suppose you can make a third party, but still, it's it's all Slack's database. It's centrally in Slack, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, not distributed. It's not like mail. You know, it's it's all at Slack, except for the the UI, I guess. And uh, I'm not sure. Maybe I'll check the I'll check the yeah. the microphones before we start doing the main show. Uh, sounds like one of them is rubbing uh, against this. Uh, the mic holder. Um, so, I mean, it's unfortunate if that Slack is not, like, an open standards protocol. Like, Jabber could have, if there was enough interest in companies contributing and keeping open standards, you know, the Jabber protocol could have been extended to do what Slack does, to do what Google Wave did, to right. do, you know, current generation uh, things you expect in an instant messenger, you know. You expect to be able to paste rich text. You expect to be able to paste a picture and have it show up. Where in Jabber, you could attach a file 
and the file would download, and then you would have to open the file that was in your My Documents folder. You know, really annoying, you know, bullshit, where, you know, with Slack, if you have a picture in your clipboard and you're composing a Slack message and you hit Command-V, it pastes the picture in. So, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of modern stuff. So, I mean, it's it's a little disheartening that... Most Which of, is essentially sort of what I was talking well, about well, well, for, for, for Siri, right? I mean... It understands what you're putting into it, and it knows how to display it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so I did have a point, and I got a little side waylaid with the whole Slack thing, but I was trying to to really explain the point. And the point tying that back into the Internet of Things devices is these Amazon Slack buttons are tied exclusively to Amazon. There's no current open standard, right? But you and were then, able to figure something out. Well, I was able to hack it, but it's not elegant. It's not like I was able to go to flash code in there and do make it do my bidding. I was able to intercept its outgoing traffic, and then whenever I see a certain pattern of outgoing traffic, do something that I want, you know, so I was hijacking it. That's more or less, yeah, there's nothing, that's exactly what you want. I mean, it'd be nicer if I could reprogram the microprocessor in there to do exactly what I wanted. It'd be a lot more elegant, right? It'd be more elegant, but who cares? I yeah. mean, as long as that How, sort of thing is not going to happen in any other way, yeah. you're fine. Right. The, um, but with Internet of Things devices, they're not going to be, you know, the Nest stuff is going to phone home to Nest. And then if you, like, there's uh, what I just saw, I saw, oh, the Hue stuff, you know, the Philips Hue stuff. It will, you know, the, the light bulbs, okay. the Hue light bulbs, those will phone home to the Hue app, you know. And none of, it's not all going to be put together. You know, Nest is going to want their value add. Philips is going to want their value mm-hmm. add and all this stuff. So it's going to be very segmented. And that's the unfortunate side, you know. And that's just seemed the way that a lot of um, things are happening these days. From instant messages to Internet of Things to... Uh, well, look at Facebook, right? I mean, it used to be IRC and Usenet was a place to communicate, you know, both open standards. Mm-hmm. And now it's Facebook and Twitter. Well, I mean, that... And, and, and Reddit. And Reddit's, you know, that's, again, another not open standard. There's always going to be multiple ways to do things. In fact, that that's the whole point of, of capitalism, right? Is that sure. people try to, to come up with new ways to do things and, and better ways to do things. Um, but don't you feel it's nice, uh, you know, that... How do I want to put this? Because what I was going to say, you were going to say no. You, I know exactly what you were going to say. But, you know, when you're doing these global important communication things, don't you think open standards, you know, um, help keep the Internet free and open? Where, you know, as we're going into all these walled gardens where, you know, you can have a tweet show up on Facebook, but, you know, it's not like a well-integrated mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I do. Like so. But I think that uh, as something gets more and more important and more um actually so how would i put this as something becomes less apparent to the user it becomes an open standard uh an an idea would be <coughs> so as as long as the user is interfacing with with it sort of more directly it's it's going to be a um it's going to be a battleground mm-hmm. uh for for uh for capitalism is going to be where you know what, what wins the market once the market is won, other things build upon that and then the thing below it becomes the standard so but when this but you know the example facebook twitter slack right it's not a distributed set of servers where you run your own data store right it's all in the database right but uh, so like you know like irc is distributed you know instant messenger mm-hmm. is distributed but you know, Slack. If Slack is, if Slack decides to, you know, 
close their service down or if Twitter decides to close their service down because they found something that's more popular. You know, like their two-option Twitter polls that they have. Ooh, those are sweet. You know, you can put in a yes or a no option. Ooh, man, those polls are awesome. <laughs> Follow me along with this, though. Like, okay, so the... As a service gets more and more popular, it becomes the de facto standard, and then everything gets built upon that service. Uh, this applies to even things like processors. Uh, as uh, as the Intel processor and the Intel sort of chipset became more and more popular, more and more the default standard, everything started to be built on Intel processors, the x86 instruction set and all that stuff. Uh, in Instead of... You know, there was a lot of competition in the 80s and 90s with what was going to be the big processor. Was it going to be PowerPC? Was it going to be mm-hmm. Intel? Was it going to be all this stuff? Well, Intel kind of won, it, won that one, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, you know large power-consuming devices. Uh, obviously, now the, the thing is about, okay, what about the, the small stuff? What about the small devices, the devices that don't consume a lot of power? Now that's where the chip war is happening. But the... What goes in computers is pretty much settled. What goes in at least desktop computers and and uh, and PCs that people have, that's been right. settled. Uh, you know there are clones and AMD stuff and, and other stuff. But it's pretty much basically the Intel design, and that's fine. That that works. That's sort of, sort of okay. We we we've won this. This battle is won. Now we're going to build on on the outskirts. The if Slack becomes wins this market completely, then it's going to have to become a standard of some sort, or someone's going to build a standard that will that'll overcome it. Um, like what happened with operating systems? Now there are there's you know a standard, there's Linux and, and there's a BSD and there's this stuff, but there's all this stuff that's sort of built out. You could get your own free operating system. Maybe I sort of lost the thread there, but I'm sort of... Uh, yeah, I'm still trying to... like I, I don't... The way you're using standard and the way that I'm imagining it is... Maybe I'm just reminiscent of... Or, you know, nostalgia for the old days of the internet, right? The old days of the internet, there was... Hey, we need to... When were the old days of the internet? The old days of the internet were... Uh, probably up until you had to start paying for dot-com addresses. Uh but like, so you're reminiscing for days that you never experienced. But <laughs> I experienced them because it just the the what I was saying is you know okay we need um, no, no, no. here here is the RFC for email right here is how SMTP works yeah. and then anyone can write an SMTP client mm-hmm. and and then these two computers can talk to each other and send email back and forth and they don't have to be. Uh, Using the same software. Yeah, well, that still happens. I mean, BitTorrent was a new, right. uh, entirely new, you know, port design, a new new system. There, all time, all the time, new right. protocols are being developed for different. But where, where all the money is right now is in um, messaging and um, communication. Right, that's where the money is. So that's where. Right. <laughs> that's where there's a lot of competition. So of course, people don't want standards when there's a lot of competition. Right. Uh. That's sort of why why didn't Linux take off in the operating system wars? And why isn't Linux sort of taking off now? Well, because there was a lot of competition in the operating system space for a while. They wanted to see, you know, who was going to sort of win the desktop. Uh, Windows ultimately won for the most part. Most, most businesses still run Windows. 
I mean, Mac is slowly catching up, but the opportunism is less and less an important ground now. I mean, look at Chrome OS, right? Yeah. So, you know, now it's all about what are you offering in the cloud? Right. So as as Microsoft was able to ease up, you know, or, you know, not care about the operating system so much. Yeah. Uh, other other things, you know, was okay. able to fill in that right, space. Right. So but maybe I, one part I didn't do a good job of explaining, you know, as a sysadmin for this, you know, for a company, you know, it's we run our own service. Or we run it in the cloud, but we still manage our own service. Mm-hmm. Or we get the service from a company like Slack. And then we don't have to worry about backups. We don't have to worry. I call somebody when it goes down. You know, that's the nice side of it. Part of the, you know, we don't love how our data, some of it confidential, is out at Slack. And if I wanted to, to have a confidential messaging program, which I could manage myself, we basically had state of the art in what was available with the Jabber server. And like I said, there was a whole bunch of shortcomings, not a good mobile client, not, you know, all kinds of things that well, they didn't have. So, you know, I have to go to get the state of the art. I have to give up that, you know, keeping control over my own data. And a similar thing happens in my company where sort of our offering is we offer a, a Salesforce type device but it's tailored to what this what these businesses do they could essentially build something out of salesforce or they could build their own <clears throat> system to do all right. the stuff that we do and keep it all in house but they don't because we do it better uh you could in-house build your own messaging system or you could use one of these messaging systems that, that's failed or, or that, that doesn't give you everything you want but you don't because slack offers something better I'm not nostalgic for times when, oh, Slack would just be open and to everybody. No, I, I was never talking about Slack being open. I was talking about how the de facto standards that people used, IRC, Usenet, Gopher, Web, you know, the stuff that was the Internet was open standards. You know, before people started innovating closed standards. And I'm not saying innovation's bad. It's just, you know vendor lock-in all this stuff it'd be nice if the open source community which does a lot of great stuff had something that even kind of sort of competed i with. thought the open source community has wave and i thought they have wave never once google canceled wave everything stagnated stag well then i guess you know the only way to shame on the open source community right i mean i'm just that's it there's nothing that's even kind of sort of close mm-hmm. to the kind of messaging experience you get in facebook slack things like that uh yeah i i, I guess i'm not wistful Plus. about it <laughs> i don't know it, it seems to me to be a weird thing to be like Oh, I, I wish we had. I mean, I wish Slack was for free. Uh, yeah. No, I never said that. I said I wish the open standards based. And okay, say say there was say Jabber got an overhaul, right? Mm-hmm. And and made had all the stuff that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And some company made an interface to Jabber that was the best interface. I wouldn't have a problem with using that program was the best interface because but you're not paying a no, subscription it, you're paying a one-time thing for a product no subscription be fine no what i'm saying is 
if I get pissed off with that company, if they stop offering the best product mm. because it's open standards, right? I can take my data to the what is now the best product. With Slack, you can't take your Slack history. Just because there's no co- good competition for Slack. That's that's not Slack's fault. But who's how, how can you build something that you, people can take their Slack data out and... When it's in Slack's database, you don't even have access to the database. Oh, well, I mean, you you can't build something and get Slack's data, but you can build something that's better than Slack. Right, but we're talking, you know, part of Slack is the history that's in there, you know? So every day we're building more and more, Mm -hmm. you know, knowledge that's in there. And There's nothing in the Slack contract that allows you to get your data? There's, if... What I'm trying. To... If not, then I would say that's a poor contract to sign. I mean, clients can can take their data. For, you know, they they can cancel their you know their subscription to us and have their data, and not be able to do anything with it. Right. That's not our problem. Well, sure. Not your problem. I didn't say it was your problem, but in a scenario where we were based on Usenet. And NNTPD starts sucking, and now there's Super NNPTD. You know, I can take my data over to Super NNTPD because it's written on an RFC standard. Okay. And it would be nice if the messaging platforms had such a thing. If there was an option to do that, and Jabber's the option, and Jabber is not is light years behind. Well, the reason why. <laughs> I mean, the reason why Jabber is light years behind is the same reason why you went with Slack. It's the same reason why Slack is not compatible with Jabber. It's the same reason why you can't transfer the information because Slack is much more advanced and they have, they're keeping track of much more stuff. They're doing a lot more with it. Uh, and yeah, there's there's no reason for them to make it a standard until there is a reason for them to make it a standard. Which will be never. No, not necessarily never. Look at, um, uh, look at ECMA script. That's a standard, mm-hmm. but for a while, and and or HTML is a standard. You know, these are standards that those are programming languages. I mean, those for for a while, Internet Explorer was, was proposing new tags to put into it. Mozilla was supporting some. Google was supporting some. They're all supporting different ones. Then these you know W three three standards came out. And then they had to support all these particular one they could add their own if they wanted to but they really had to make sure they fit these standards correctly when it becomes ubiquitous and some standard organization is going to come up and and make it happen but yeah i don't i don't think slack is is nearly enough of a of a market share to have that kind of nearly enough of a market period yeah, it's I, I don't see it in the play i don't see it playing in the same same playing out the same way like you're saying because JavaScript or ECMA script or um, maybe even a better analogy that's closer is kind of how now browser plugins are kind of standardizing where all mm-hmm. the different browsers are using the same plugin API. So you, you don't have to write three different browser plugins anymore. You're, right. it's, you're much closer to writing one browser plugin. I don't think they're there yet, but you're a lot closer. Um, but in both of those cases, that is not a platform that a cons- the JavaScript isn't a platform that a consumer uses. The JavaScript is a programming language that a developer uses. So having standards for programs that developers make that, that's what is you're a lot about different. With Slack. 
No, I'm talking about having an instant messenger platform that I use as a user. What's the standard part? What's that? What's the standards part that you're talking about? What are the standards? They're programming stuff. There's stuff for that, that these things are developed on top of. Okay. So that's what you're talking about. I don't see why you're why you're saying, oh, this is just a, a programming language. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a messaging. It doesn't matter about, about the the shell you put onto the messaging service. What you care about is is how the data is handled and how you can retrieve it and how you can store it and and, and keep it locally, right? That's standard. That's programming. That's uh. That's EEI. I mean that that's. You know, that's these standards that are developed after something becomes commercially successful and viable. Wi-Fi is 802.11, right? It's not the same. I mean, because it's, it's a... You know, you could write, you know, so you say Slack, you know... Slack's written in standard languages, written in C or JavaScript or whatever... Okay, but and then, all you're talking about is an interface to to a backend, to something that, that does backend work. Right. And then, but there's, I can't imagine a day where, where Facebook messaging is deemed, you know, ubiquitous. And, and then they like, okay, or, you know, the ITEF is like, okay, time to make an RFC about Facebook messaging and opening the pl- protocol and all this shit. You know, because this is, it's it's one, it's a service in a platform that a company offers. You know, it's like, just like in your program, right? Well, I mean, why not? Because that's the same thing that sort of happened with uh, word processing. They eventually, uh, you know, Microsoft, there was WordPerfect for a while, then Microsoft Word came about. And now there's all these things and they're all pretty much compatible with each other because they're all using basically a, a standard now. Right, but that's just opening a file that you had sent to you from someone else. Where, you know, I don't see how it's any different. I don't see. I don't see how the situations are any different. Because you can't write something that can just connect into Slack and use Slack without. Well, it's it's not going to be Slack when it comes to get to that point. It's going to be. Right whatever protocol is, you know, come up with. It's going to be whatever, you know, whatever these docs run on, which is some sort of open XML stuff. Right. I'm, I don't think we're going to come to a, come to the same place. I don't think you haven't, you haven't thought your clever plan through. <laughs> I, I, whatever, I'm tired of arguing about it. <laughs> right. Uh, have you have you have you noticed? Because I have. There is a, a trend on as you're, as you're watching some YouTube videos, um, you may see. You now they recommend stuff. Uh, one of the things that was that's being recommended to me when I do science stuff is flat Earth stuff. There's apparently a weird kind of cult and or. Uh, 
anti I don't know what it is. It it, it seems somewhat related to the whole InfoWars phenomenon, but it's it's like a taking that to an extreme where people legitimately I mean at first it seems like it's a joke, but people legitimately believe that the earth is flat and that every single like picture from space and something is a hoax perpetrated by all these forces and that uh, and, and, and you know it, there are so many weird things I was watching this, this video with this guy trying to trying to do physics about and he and he was doing basically I mean more or less you know high school level physics and he was doing it correctly more or less but then he was making weird observations about what it means that didn't follow and it was just kind of like because he was talking about like airplanes and how they fly and he wasn't he wasn't grasping the idea that the atmosphere moves with the planet. Mm-hmm. So he had this. He, he was thinking, well, okay, uh, an airplane is moving along, and then it's moving east to west, and has to land north to south. Well, it has all this vector from going east to west. How does it? How does it land north to south without the runway moving away from it? Mm-hmm. And it's like um, the same way a boat, <laughs> you know, gets into dock. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> It, it uses the fluid as in the slowdown. It seems like it'd be pretty easy to prove this, right? I mean, all you need is a pair of binoculars and a horizon and watch a boat sail in. You should right. be able to see it pretty easily. Uh, there are arguments they have against that. Like, for example... Um... Is it flat but ripply? Is that the argument? Well, I, I think one one of their arguments was that uh, if you take a, if you, if you look at, at if, if you watch a boat and you watch it sort of sink below the, start to sink below the horizon, then you take out a telescope, you can look at that and you'll see the boat. You won't see it. So it's just a, a limitation of your eyes. No, you won't. That's wrong. That is flat out wrong. That's why I said binocular, because your yeah. eyes can't see far enough to see the ship disappear and I was still trying see the to mast. think about how this could, how because this that's what I was true. talking about, right? Yeah. Because you'll see the mast of a sailing ship. Mm-hmm. further out then you'll see the hull right and you can see this with a pair of binoculars right and, and that should be easy enough to prove so they'll come up with something else like they'll say well the, just the the way that the uh the earth is ripply is yeah about, so, 12, about 12 miles out it ripples there's a dip i i don't understand you know i i haven't gotten fully into their total excuses because i mean I, I, it's it's clearly nonsense so how how far do i go down this path what? Why are they flat earthers? I mean, it's it's a lot of it is religious, from what I could tell. It all it it really does come down to they don't they're not outward about this, but when they ultimately get down to it, well, scripture says that the planet's flat, and we have to find a way to make it agree with scripture. I I don't know of anybody who's a secular flat earthist. I don't think that exists. So it all comes down to people trying to justify their scripture and trying to, and the only way they can do that is by saying that the entire world is a lie. And literally, things like the uh, the planets are either projections from NASA, or uh, when you look up there and you see the planets, what you actually see with your eyes is fine. When you actually use a telescope, those are designed so that if you if you look at a particular object, it will show you a different thing than what you're supposed to see. I mean, literally getting into these weird 
like super mega That's... conspiracies. It and it's like the the twists and turns you have to knot yourself into in order to justify this. It, 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 but but it is simpler than just realizing that there was metaphor in scripture, <laughs> metaphor and or lack of, you know, we've learned things yeah. in the last two thousand. Well, I mean, years. The, the the problem is, of course, that they have this in in their head that the scripture is divine and must be true uh, completely. So everything else has to follow around that. Um, whereas I don't take anything, anything as set in stone, even like even simple things that you and I would say, we, we really, I mean, even simple propositions such as, uh, that we, I'm holding this glass. I don't necessarily know because I know there isn't necessarily a good way to or, or we can translate this into a two-dimensional thing. And so, therefore, the whole idea of me being a three-dimensional body holding a three-dimensional glass... Actually, translated... actually, you're levitating the glass, right? Because if you go on a small enough level... Well, okay. <laughs> you're you're repulsing the... the... I put it down on the ground. I'm still holding it, but it, it's it's being held up by the ground. So now I'm just holding it. No, the table's levitating the glass. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I question whether... There is, you know, whether that's actually true, whether whether our three D existence is ultimately valid. I don't question it in any sense beyond philosophical, and I don't think that there's any like I, I don't question it in my everyday life because there's a there's no reason to, and and b there's uh and b there's no reason to. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this yeah. before, right? I mean, there are places you have to have faith. Right, and the place I have faith is that uh, there's there's a really clear definition on how to say so. I don't remember the words you probably do, but it's the you know that experimentation and mm-hmm. observation indicate the real phenomena that are happening. You know, the stuff I can yeah. see is really happening, and the stuff that experiment can reproduce is proof that it happens. Now, you know, so that's my religion that's where i put my faith right i wouldn't say that's faith because you're not faith to me is is particularly believing something without evidence uh i don't believe something without evidence there are things that i that that i take as a priori uh truth for the purpose of of the rest of but i do question the validity of those things as a priori truth ultimately okay i don't know whether they they are ultimately true sure but for for the reality that i experience they seem to be right and and until uh, again if they're proven wrong and something Mm -hmm. that is more demonstrably provable is presented you know, I'm not going to stick with this one. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go with where the evidence takes me. But, you know, but again, so, yeah, I mean, I know we're flipping coins on, on religion, faith or whatnot. But, you know, so I trust that what I see and observation and experimentation is what really happens. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, pretty much beyond that, you know, that's that's the foundation I would say and I then, trust that that observation and experiment produce the most effective predictions and that's uh, a better way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. 
the the most effective results and and had the most effective results and predictive quality than any other form of understanding that we have. That's once yeah. something else goes beyond that. That's going to be my primary version of of understanding. Yeah, when uh, at, prayer is proven, be more effective. Well, the thing is, it's always when we discover the truth behind something. It's always deeper than we thought, and sort of and more complicated. It it works a different way than than anyone had really ever imagined. Um, you know, like when when we discovered how when Laplace discovered how uh, everything is sort of works in ellipses. Uh, when Newton, when Newton figured out the the idea behind forces, when when Einstein figured out the idea behind uh, rotating uh, a hyperbolic rotation to explain movement. These were all sort of like, whoa, okay, that's different than what anybody really thought. But now that we have some sort of way to do that, it, you can you can make sense of it and get better predictions by doing it. So it's never it never goes back to, oh, these guys two thousand years ago were right. It's like, oh, these guys two thousand years ago, you know, had an, had a concept and we were kind of on the verge of, of getting it right. And then it turns out the thing is a little bit different than than whatever than what anybody thought. Oh, it just keeps going that way. I mean yeah. Einstein was right, but <laughs> right. No. Yeah. There there's always more a detail in the picture. Right? It never there's it always, never is always... It never is. These guys 2,000 years ago are right, and all the stuff that we added on is totally wrong. Oh, <laughs> it right, never is right. that. I don't think it ever will be. Yeah. Um, we're gaining knowledge. Yeah. And at a certain point, you know, okay, so today, if you ask me to describe a phenomenon, I'll do the best I can, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if If you ask me to describe it in a phenomenon... And I'm not allowed to tell you I don't know. I'll do my best to describe it, right? And to me, that seems right. And if I was in a privileged place 2,000 years ago and wrote that down, you know, it might have taken a little more import than it should have. <laughs> like flat uh, earth. You, you are absolutely, <laughs> excuse me. You're absolutely allowed to say I don't know. That's the, that's the difference, I guess, on some level. Right. Maybe I have an agenda. You're just part of the machine. <laughs> yep. All right, we should move on to the show. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> 